Good morning, everyone. Good morning to the Arresting, Relapse, and Reclaiming Recovery Workshop. My name is Faye. I'm a compulsive eater, and I am your facilitator for this meeting. Before we get started, we ask that you turn off all cell phones and electronic equipment that makes noise. This session is taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign the speaker's release form before sharing. To protect anonymity, no photography, audio, and or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Oh, I'm going to say it again. My name is Faye. <laughs> I am a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mind be done. I will now read the promises from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. The promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. I'm still waiting for that one. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Once again, the topic of this workshop is Arresting Relapse and Reclaiming Recovery. Our first speaker is, are we going this way? Ramon. Thank you. Good, good afternoon. My name is Ramon and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm very glad to be here. Uh, this is, a, I think, a really good topic for us because unlike other organizations like AA where they can practice complete abstinence from alcohol, in, in OA we, uh, we eat three times a day. And so, like the saying goes, you take the tiger out of the cage three times a day, so there's more opportunities to relapse all the time and to qualify myself for this topic um i've been i've been coming to oa uh two years and 11 months and i've been abstinent a year and 11 months and right about my year is when i had a relapse and uh my uh biggest occasions for relapse my 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 uh practice was high volume eating and eating in the middle of the night and then i had my of course my binge foods um but my relapse was uh, was kind of small. It wasn't that. It was almost technical, you could say. You know, I had a nibble, 
But then I decided, well, now that I've relapsed, you know, I was at a casino the next day, and, you know, they have uh, buffets there. They're pretty outstanding. And I said, well, since I relapsed, I'm going to go for it. And at a year, I hit the buffet and everything on it, you know. And, uh, you know, it, got, it gave me a buzz. I got, with all that sugar, it's, a, it's amazing after being away from that much sugar, it can give you a buzz. But my relapse was short, relatively short. I didn't want to extend it, and I came back. And I think when I was asked to speak on this topic, I think what I offer from my experience the most, the most important thing above everything else is just keep coming back, no matter what, for relapses. I think um, implicit in that is that um, letting go of pride and accepting the compassion of others to come in. Um, there's a nice pamphlet also, Members in Relapse, that is really excellent to read. And I'm going to read the first paragraph because I think it's really good. It says, we all need to be loved and accepted, not because we are abstinent, not because we are at goal weight, but just for who we are. This is especially true of OA members who are still suffering. They have been in program for some time, perhaps for months, maybe even years, but either they have not yet attained abstinence or they are in relapse. When asked what helped them most, people who have gone through this painful experience agree that there is one thing, being loved and accepted. Even when they were compulsively overeating, even when they were falling apart emotionally, even when they felt hopeless and unlovable, was the key to their eventually loving and accepting themselves and from there getting abstinent. So... I think that is the, is the best thing is to keep coming back. I think it's um, counting time in OA in another 12-step programs is like a measure. But I think it's, it's, like, a, it's like our attributes. Like, for example, I'll just say briefly, I'm, I'm organized. So a positive side of that attribute is that I get stuff done. The negative side of that attribute is that I can be rigid. Well, in the same, in the same way... I think keeping track of time in OA is positive because it marks our progress. But the shadow of that same attribute is pride and judgment and self, self-criticism. It is a, it, we are in here one day at a time. So I think this is, again, just my opinion. To a degree, it's just keep coming back no matter what. If people don't come back because their pride is wounded or they don't want to be judged... Or maybe there are some people in the program who, who have judged them or, or maybe who carry their amount of time like a badge of medals, you know, or something. Then that may cast a certain amount of judgment on it. And I'm, um, I think this is just one day at a time. It's, I think the consequences of relapse are severe. It can have uh, physical consequences for people who, uh, you know, you know, it, it can hurt the bones if you're too heavy. It can have spiritual consequences. It can have emotional consequences. So I would say the important thing about relapse and reclaiming recovery is to keep coming back and be, you know, accept, stick to people who will accept you back and not say, oh, oh you relapsed. I mean, so what? I mean, just keep coming back because the, the consequences are just too, too severe. 
in terms of what has helped me maintaining abstinence, you know, reclaiming recovery, you know, there's a saying of sticking to sticking with the winners. So I go to a meeting where there's people who have a lot more uh, recovery than I do. And the speaker last night was saying that you're still a newcomer if you're under 10 years. And, okay, well, you know, that's, I, I know, I know what, I think I know what he means. I, I'm, next month I'm going to have two years, God willing. I don't like to count ahead of time. But, um, you know, it's, I go to meetings where there's, there's lots of abstinence and I go to the same meetings because I think the, uh, that way that allows me to actually say hi and open up instead of just going to meetings and leaving immediately. And I think those kind of tool, tools uh, help. You know, beyond the letting go of pride and the keep coming back, it's just getting back to the basic tools, getting back to the basic tools of, o, of OA. When I announced my, my relapse, it was embarrassing because I, I was the treasurer of a meeting. And the meeting had six months abstinence requirements. So not only did I have to announce, I had to give up uh, position. And, you know, that's nice and humbling. You know, no one really critiqued me. But the, I remember there was this one guy, uh, I forget his name, but he was pretty quiet. He wasn't the type that went up. He had been in the program for a long time. But he wasn't the type that really went around shaking hands. He wasn't that, you know. But he came, he came to me after I announced that after the meeting and just shook my hand and walked away. But it, it left an impression on me because I think he appreciated the fact that there was just, you know, someone, I gave up my, my commitment. And I think also I've noticed in meetings that when people announce slips, and it's not like, our abstinence is, is a little bit sometimes hard to define, you know. Uh, so when some people share about gray areas or stuff like that. I've noticed in meetings, so do others. So honesty brings out the honesty in others. And I think it's good. Um, to some degree, I wish, I wish we didn't count time. I wish it was strictly just one day at a time. Because it's, um, there's other members who have gone out and who have not come back. And although I can't vouch as to why they did not come back, I would suspect that it's pride. It's getting back to that the same the same uh, character defects that are mentioned, for example, in the um, in the AA 12 and 12. Is that you know we have these character defects that come back to plague us, and uh, the important thing for me is to is to keep coming back and remembering to come back no matter what, and to when evaluating the food then getting a sort of like a handle on what you need to do, but don't lose track of the steps. The way I look at the program, it, it operates almost on two tracks that then come together sometimes. You know, there's the food, and then there's working the steps. And I think if I just measure my, my food um, only and not work the steps, then it's just a diet. That's my view. So I think my abstinence is not just, you know, Am I having my three meals, and is it, is it just so? Uh, and then, if, and if I if I meet these technical requirements in the food, then then I'm working the program. I I don't think I don't subscribe to that view. I think I also have to work the steps and make amends to people during my daily affairs, for example, and to call my sponsor and to email my food to my sponsor, and to work the tools. You know, I think it's it's constantly being. Reclaiming recovery is constantly 
pushing myself to areas where I, because there's plenty of areas in, the, in recovery that I haven't done or that I've done only, um, you know, superficially. I think uh, calling up people when, when in, in trouble, you know, is something uh, that I should do more or just calling up people in general, I think is something. So just, I think just working the program uh, helps a lot. I think other stuff that I'd like to mention in terms of uh, reclaiming recovery is being gentle to oneself. I went to a, a step study in OA, and I, there was an old-timer who, who did talk about gentle abstinence. Um, I think people in recovery, and myself included, um, tend to be a little harsh on our own selves. And, you know, it's just like, oh, I... Um, you know, I relapse, I'm, I'm this, it must mean I'm lazy or whatever, no willpower, whatever one may think. But I think it's the important thing is that, is that we keep coming back and we haven't forgotten what we've learned all this time. So when I relapsed after a year, I knew to come back relatively soon. I was out maybe two weeks, but when I came back, it's not like I had forgotten everything that I had learned before that point. I could just pick up where I left off and then just keep, you know, one day at a time. And so, and in, and in the process, just being honest, but not beating myself up for it. And, you know, no one abused me for it either. I was, I think maybe I was, I was expecting some judgment or some people, but then who's, no one really tells you that at OE meetings. Oh, you know, they relapse, they're, they're, you know, start taking your inventory. At, you know, I've never seen them, anyone do that because just the consequences are, are too high. Um, to compulsively overeat towards one, you know, lose one's own spirituality and physical health and spiritual health. And so I guess just to start where I began, I just wanted to, for, from my point of view, the important thing about relapse is just to keep coming back. That's all I have. Thank you. Thanks, Ramon. As a matter of fact, I was just going to start this going around. <laughs> I'll start it over here in the beginning, over here. And, uh, oh, thank you, Ramon. Our next speaker is Regina. Good afternoon. My name is Regina. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive eater and um, recovering bulimic vomiter, whatever you want to call it. Hi, everyone. Um, to qualify, I've been um, coming to Overeaters Anonymous since 1977. I have um, 21 years of practicing abstinence and not throwing up and um, maintaining uh, normal body weight. Um, when I, I wasn't a compulsive overeater as a child. Um, in 1973, I graduated high school. I ate, like, um, too much uh, healthy food, <laughs> I, a, little bit, a little bit too much fruits and vegetables, but um, that was something I was oblivious to, and, um, but in 1973, I graduated high school, and I had a traumatic experience um, with a, lo a loss, and I started um, binging, and um, in 1976, I um, joined Overeaters Anonymous, in order to um, deal with uh, that problem. And um, from 1976 to 1986, 10 years, 
I was in Overeaters Anonymous in chronic relapse. Um, I never stopped coming, but I, you know, they say, well, you're at a meeting, at least you're asking. <laughs> um, I was the kind of person that would put food in the coffee cup. I mean, I was, or, and then I'd go in the bathroom and throw up and, at the OA meeting. So I was a very sick um, girl, and um, I felt very qualified to share at this workshop because of those 10 years. Um, I tried to do service and be sponsored and went to meetings. Back in those days, we only had like one meeting a week, but I was there. And um, I was like a mystery to, I'm sure, the people who um, had um, recovery because I was nice <laughs> and um, always a newcomer. Um, in 1986, I um, checked myself into treatment um, at a small facility in the Palm Springs area that's no longer in existence, and I stayed there for four months, and um, when I was there, um, they taught me how to identify my feelings, which is something that people in OA do from the podium and in phone calls all the time, but I hadn't picked up that skill at home or in OA, and I learned how to do that. They also gave me a definition of abstinence. Um, that particular facility, everyone had the same abstinence definition, three meals a day, nothing to eat in between. And um, in OA, we get to pick our own definition of abstinence, and I was too sick. I would, like, change my definition three times a day. And not stick to any of them. So it was good. They just told me. And they also um, made us do a lot of service. And after um, 10 years of serious binging, oh, five years of serious binging and then five years of serious binging and vomiting. Um, so after 10 years, I was pretty self-obsessed. So everything was about me and my disease and my lack of social life and my lack of everything else. Um, because I wasn't the kind of person that could function and compulsively overeat and vomit. So um, my, my life really centered around myself, and I wasn't involved with a lot of service projects. But in this um, recovery home, they, um, like, took us to places where service was needed, and we would do uh, service for people. And it was um, a fairly menial type of service. And um, it was really, I think... Um, since that time, and I've learned that there's like a real high that comes from doing service, a really being of usefulness, and um, I got the first taste of that there in 1987, and um, I was able to, after four months, to go home and finish college and um, get a job, and um, I got like a really awesome job, and um, I moved out of home, and I got an apartment and a car, and I had enough money to go on vacations, and it was, like, so cool. And then I got um, laid off. And I <clears throat> got a resentment against my higher power. I thought he was nuts um, to give something and take it away, and I broke my abstinence um, again. But I, broke, I, had, I had one um, binge. Um, I had, like, dinner, and then I had dinner again. And um, fortunately, I think I did not throw up because I think that for me, vomiting is like really an addictive um, habit. It's like something for nothing, you know, you get to eat without the calories. 
So um, when I had that relapse, I was actually very involved in OA at the time, doing a lot of service. My Most of my friends were people in OA, and it was fairly easy. Well, I, I, I just was a newcomer. And um, so that was hard, but, you know, it was 21 years ago, so I'm grateful for that. Um, I wanted to share that I also have an obsession with eating healthy, and I still do with that now. Um, I think that an obsession, and I'm sharing it because I've met people recently in OA that are, like, really into eating on the extreme end of healthy, like we only shop in the fruit and vegetable section. Um, and um, I want anything extreme doesn't work for me. Like for me, dieting leads to binging. And like trying to eat extremely healthy just ping-pongs for me. But yet I just don't like the idea of giving that up. And I, I kind of relate to people that want to exercise more. I want to eat healthier than average people. And I think there's people in OA that want to exercise more than is average. And um, they get in trouble. And I get in trouble because I want to eat healthier than everyone else. And it feels like a diet. And then I ping-pong and I'm eating my least healthy definition of food. And I'm um, <clears throat> having guilt. And, and it's a vicious cycle. And... Um, I just have to be an average compulsive overeater to have the best recovery um, rather than um, extremely unique. Um, there's reasons I have like this obsession to eat healthier than other people, but I feel like I've lost my, because I'm a compulsive eater and I want to arrest that illness too, it outweighs any other good reasons. Um, one uh, last thing I'd like to share about, and that is um, the telephone, because it's such a hard tool for um, me and many other people in OA. And someone um, once told me, someone I sponsored, once told me that even if I, like, if I'm tempted to overeat, but I can, like, not do it, um, and I just don't make a phone call because I can, like, use my willpower, that my disease really likes that. It really likes it if I use my willpower. And um, that the recovery thing to do is even if the thought crosses my mind to um, talk about it and make a reach out phone call. And I thought that was very wise. Um, so that's my story. There's lots of relapse and um, also lots of recovery and um, lots of imperfection. But uh, I have a really rich life today with all the normal things that come, um, and I credit all my blessings to the um, program of Overeaters Anonymous and the 12 Steps and um, God, and because of Overeaters Anonymous, I got a much more functioning, practical relationship. With, I believed in God, but it wasn't very practical and useful, and um, of course, nothing um, has been more rewarding. Thank you very much. Thank you, Regina. Um, before I introduce our next speaker, I'm going to go down the middle here, and whoever has the basket can hand it to me, and then I'll keep it going. But I just need to pick it up in between. 
And our next speaker is CJ. Is that about right? Can everybody hear me? Raise it up a little bit. I mean, I know I don't have no judgment on this. It's like a little higher. How's that? Okay. I have no. You don't tell people say, Charlie, you're yelling, or Charlie, you're not talking loud enough. I, I don't get it. My name is CJ. I am a compulsive overeater. And uh, I love the program of Order, Overeaters Anonymous. And I believe that the reason that they asked me to share at this particular workshop is because I have done relapse, in my opinion, better than anybody. <laughs> okay? My, my claim to fame, <laughs> such as it is, is that I have been around this program since 1975, and I have weighed 250 pounds more than I have not weighed 250 pounds. And that I could not maintain, after my first uh, abstinence of six months, I could not maintain any type of regular, consistent abstinence. I have lost and gained 100 pounds three times. Okay. I am a compulsive overeater of the type that they talk about in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. If you truly, if I just substitute the word food with alcohol in that book, that's my story. I was not able to stop eating even though I desperately wanted to stop eating. And I could not maintain any type of an abstinence even though I cried myself to sleep every night. Okay, that's my story. Okay, that's, you know. So, um, those, those are the basics. Okay, and the most interesting to me, the most interesting part of the story is the last part of the story. Um, more than 10 years ago, uh, I had, uh, was weighed 250 pounds, and I was, I was not able, I was not one of those people who was able to hang about in this program on a regular basis and keep coming back no matter what. You know, I, I envy those people. Uh, I would disappear. I am, uh, part of my disease is a disease of isolation. I would go into my house, I would buy food, uh, stock my refrigerator, sit in my house, and eat. Okay, eat. Pass out, watch TV. Eat, pass out, watch TV. All week long, all weekend long. And if anybody had the gall to ask me to do something, I would say, oh, no, I'm just too busy. I have an engagement. And I would go back to doing what I was doing, okay? I just did not have the power by myself to stop compulsively overeating, okay? And... um Every time I speak, and let me stop for a second, every time I speak, what I pray for is, God, please give me the words. Please allow me to speak from my heart rather than from my head, because my head is my enemy and it is a dangerous neighborhood. And when I'm talking from my head, I'm not speaking my truth. 
And what I want to share with anybody in Overeaters Anonymous is I want to share who I am and what I am, and I never want to be dishonest about that. I, if you want to know how not to do this, come and talk to me, okay? And how you not to do this is be arrogant, think I know everything, not ask for anybody's help, and do everything my own way, and think that I have the answers. So that here I am uh, 10 years, this is 10 years ago, okay? And through desperation, one more time, I had a, a dear, very dear friend uh, point me in the direction of a, uh, a recovery home. And I was desperate enough at that time to uh, go ahead and show up at the door. And I walked in the door, and all of the women that were in that house were anorexics and bulimics. And I am 250 pounds, 50 years old, 250 pounds, okay? And those women welcomed me and nurtured me and accepted me. And what I got to know, what they taught me, was that it's a disease. I have a physical allergy to food with a mental obsession. And it was the noise in my brain that was killing me because I couldn't stop it. And once I got past the physical differences between what their symptom was and what my symptom was, I got to know that it's the stuff that goes on in my head that connected me with all those women. And uh, I got to be a lot more accepting and tolerant of people who were not like me physically. And that's why I know that the program of Overeaters Anonymous, there's a place for all of us because it's the commonality that binds us together. Okay, so here I am. And they went, took me through the first three steps, and God was really good to me. He gave me some women who were uh, strong in AA who gave me some real tools to work with and gave me a concept of a higher power that I could deal with on a daily basis. Okay, so I got, and, and here we are coming back to OA one more time, you know, and, uh, and I got involved in service, and I stayed abstinent, and I was abstinent for more than a year, and I got to do service positions, and someone asked me, uh, uh, or I volunteered to be the reach-out editor. So here I am. And I'm off and running, and all of a sudden, the reach-out became more important than my recovery, okay? And it took me a couple of years, and I was a hell of a reach-out editor, but I stopped going to meetings, okay? And I stopped talking to people, and I stopped doing anything for my recovery, and all of a sudden, I, not all of a sudden, and I'm slipping and sliding, right? This disease is very subtle. It just waits for me to become lax. It waits for me to not pay attention. It waits for me not to do the things that I need to do to stay connected in the moment and be in reality. And after three years of doing this and a 100-pound gain weight, weight gain, excuse me, weight gain, uh, I had a woman who 
loves me truly, that I know loves me truly, come up to me when I was avoiding a meeting and was trying to put the reach out together, put her finger in my face and told me I had my priorities mixed up. What a flash. Now, what she got for that from me was a major resentment, and I didn't speak to that bitch for three months. Okay? It takes courage. It takes courage to do that. And uh, I, 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 that woman is here today. She is my friend. She is my mentor. She is uh, a woman that I, I love dearly. Now, this woman also called me one day, and, and I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad as hell, man, and I don't know what to do about it. Okay, and I'm eating my brains out, right? And I'm not going to meetings, and I'm still doing the reach out, right? And I finally gave up, you know, but I'm miserable. God, I'm dying here. And uh, uh, I didn't know what to do, you know, and... Uh, uh, she called me, and she says, I want you to be in this meeting in an hour. The miracle was that I was so sick and tired. I was in such pain that I didn't know what to do, and so I did as I was told. And I went to that meeting with the, uh, with the only thought, the only thing that was going in my mind was, God, please. I don't care if I don't lose a pound. I just want the noise to stop in my brain. I cannot take this any longer. Now, I am not suggesting that everybody needs to get to this place to be able to accept recovery. I'm just telling you that this is my story. That's what happened for me, you know. And that is a miracle of abstinence for me because I did not go into that meeting that day with, I am going to be abstinent from today forward. I went into that meeting with the thought of, I don't know what the fuck to do and I'm just going to go in and sit down and shut up and listen because I'm dying here, you know. And uh, the miracle for me is that it was me getting the gift of knowing that I am a compulsive overeater. And that day, I knew it and accepted it. I am a compulsive overeater. It is never going to be any different for me. I am always going to be a compulsive overeater. That's why in the big book, I became wedded to certain things. One of them is in um, the doctor's opinion that talks about the well-known spree uh, leading to remorse, promising never to do it again, and being condemned to repeat that over and over and over again. And the fourth edition is on page 20, Roman numeral 25. Read it. It's, it's, it's you know, it's amazing. The other one is on page 24, and that is what that person asked me to read every day for 30 days. It's in italics on the top of page 24, and then it says, I am condemned to repeat my behavior because I can't seem to remember how bad I felt when I fell in back into my disease. 
You know, I couldn't seem to remember how that felt. The other thing, the other chapter that I uh, read uh, religiously is uh, the first two pages of chapter three, more about alcoholism or slash compulsive overeating. What many times up? I can't believe that. I talked too long. Um, I'll, I'll close. Uh, thank you. Um, it talks about me being a compulsive overeater, that the great obsession of every alcoholic uh, is the idea that someday I'm going to be able to enjoy my food slash alcohol uh, like other people, and I'm never going to be. Uh, the other idea is that uh, I'm going to grow new legs. I'm never going to. Okay. I am always going to be a compulsive overeater. And how I avoid relapse is to read those things all the time, talk to you guys, go to a lot of meetings, and be realistic about who and what I am. And knowing that this is not something that I'm going to get over or I'm going to graduate, or I'm going to get better, or I'm going to be help, you know, well again. This is the way I live. I live in Overeaters Anonymous, and I'm grateful to do that. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, CJ. Now I have a favor. Whoever has the basket, can you bring it up here? Just give me the folded up things, and then you can take it back and circulate it again. Okay. All right. Um, I'm just going to read the questions, and I'll just let whoever, whether one or two or three or whatever, answer. How's that sound? Oh, don't tell me that. Those of you who know me know you should never tell me that. Okay, the first question is, is relapse a gift? Get up here. For me, relapse is not a gift. It is part of the journey. Uh, I am grateful for everything that has happened to me in this program, I hope that none of you has to do it that way. But re- I don't know. It's relapse is not a gift. You know, it's just, it's, it's a lesson. It's a lesson for me. I need to learn. I, I need to be humble. Uh, there is nothing like this disease to make me humble. You know, uh, it brought me to my knees. Absolutely brought me to my knees. And I needed to know that. And I needed to have that relapse. Otherwise, I would be living in denial. I, that's what I forgot to talk about, denial. This disease is not, for me, this disease is all about denial. Um, for me, the disease model means that um, I'm not in control of how many relapses I have before um, I have um, the inside of the surrender, whatever it is, to begin continual abstinence. It's certainly worth um, continuing to strive for. Um, when I had my um, relapse after a year of abstinence, I did do a very thorough inventory of it, and um, I felt there was a great gift in that. Um, 
which has helped me um, going forward. So I'd recommend that um, to anyone. Okay, I'm going to read this next one uh, because I have three of them that are almost exactly the same. And the question is, what's the difference between a relapse and a slip? I think that's a really awesome question. I've, I've read in literature when it gets back to what, how do you define abstinence? I mean, everyone defines their abstinence differently. What is your food plan? And how, uh, the way I look at it, and again, I speak for myself, is I don't weigh and measure every ounce of everything. I think that given my propensity to be compulsive and wanting to get everything, you know, exactly either maxed out or not at all, uh, to be to be so technical about let's say down to the last ounce would just be a translation of my compulsiveness from abstinence to my to my food if you follow my meaning it's so I think a relapse it's um it's like what what I had heard one time when the Supreme Court asked how do you define obscenity as I know it when I see it and <laughs> And so I think that is what, that is how, how relapse to me, when I had shared, when I relapsed, I, I think my, my volume was a little high for my meal. And so I, you know, that's like a judgment call since I don't weigh and measure. I don't want to eat, I don't eat big gargantuan meals. But then when I went to the casino, when I was at the casino and I went to the buffet, and I went all out, that was a relapse. That was with abandon. And that's, that's what worked for me. But, you know, again, I'm not a, a weight and measure. And I think that is uh, what I had was my abstinence as defined by my food plan, and I developed my food plan with my sponsor's advice and consent and, and give and take with my sponsor. And that's how I, how, how I would answer that. This last afternoon, by the way, I didn't share with you that I do, uh, by the grace of God, have five and a half years of abstinence and a 110-pound weight loss, but that's just numbers. Um, slip and, and, and uh, uh, relapse, uh, I had this last time, the reason that I brought up that those figures was this last time that I have received the gift of abstinence. I needed to be really honest about what my bottom lines were because I had always slipped and slided and lied to myself about what were my alcoholic foods, you know, and I needed to be honest enough with myself and with my sponsor about what those alcoholic foods were. What were those foods that triggered the obsession, you know, and... um once I had established, and sugar being the, the biggie for me, uh, uh, that's the bottom line. And if I indulge in that, I'm definitely into relapse. And I will tell you that my abstinence is not perfect. 
It is not. I do not weigh and measure. I'm not a moderate mealer, but I do not weigh and measure, you know, uh, all of the time. And uh, and so the, there's um, it, my abstinence is not perfect. I, I am not laying any claim to that. But uh, the last time I made a decision to, well, I'll just have, I'll just enjoy Christmas uh, and then get right back on it. It was three and a half years. Okay, so, and that's you know, so it, it's a very you know gray area, and I need a lot of help with that. I need a lot of reality checks, and uh, and that's what that is. Thanks. I think that abstinence and a slip in uh, common OA vocabulary are synonymous terms. Um, that's my opinion. Um, maybe slip seems a little gentler. I don't know. Um, it's a slip, not a fall. But I, I think it's really hard to break your abstinence and be an OA culture where we kind of put people with abstinence on a pedestal. Um, and I've, you know, I've often wondered about the pros and cons of counting and taking tokens and this and that. But um, it can be argued both ways. I think. Um, for me, um, if I throw up, that's breaking my abstinence. So it's, you know, I would be on day one, um, but like the other, if I ate more than I had thought I was going to eat at a meal, that wouldn't. And um, if I eat three meals a day and I have a fourth meal, that would be breaking my abstinence. Um, so I think it's really important to um, define an ab- to set an abstinence that you can live with 100% of the time. You could always tweak it later, but... I think having chronic failure is really hard and demoralizing. And um, I have a plan of eating which is separate from my abstinence. Um, And that would be things like uh, not tasting food at Costco, you know, those ladies who hand out. But, like, if I tasted a grape or something, I would – I'm allowed to taste fresh – because I buy a lot of fruits and vegetables. <laughs> so if I taste the grape before I buy a home, I can do that. But that's like discussed with my sponsor, and we've decided that that is an accessible thing. But um, so I think it's for each person to work out. But I find it really helpful to have a, a firm bottom line. Tracy, would you turn this around again? I don't want to run out. This one kind of follows up on what you just shared on, and the question is, when you have started and failed, started and failed, and did it again, how do you stop the cycle? What helped me the first time um, with the basically having a fourth meal in the middle of the night um, is I would keep a list of everything that I ate. I still keep a list of everything that I eat. Aside from emailing my sponsor, I keep a list of everything I eat eat in the kitchen. And the one time when I thought I was caught in the cycle and not being able to stop it, I just wrote, help me God, when I got up one time. And I just wrote, help me God, and I walked back and went back to sleep. And I think in that sense, that's, you know, you, 
it's it's admitting that I was just completely powerless over that compulsive overeating where I was eating not out of any nutritional needs. It was to satisfy some, you know, emotional vacancy. So I think just turning it over was how I did one that time. Thanks. How do I keep from doing it? I, I truly believe that uh, there are miracles uh, in this uh, in this process, and uh, that I don't know if there is uh, any magic button, uh, but I would refer to you to uh, acceptance is the answer to all my problems. If I am not aware, uh, I, I pray for acceptance and for God to tell me what it is I need to do, what's the next indicated step. Uh, I do that a lot because I get confused a lot, you know. But that is a really, really good question because it's like, how do do you stop it, you know? And I can only tell you what my experience has been is that I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, and I don't know how else to do that because that's the kind of compulsive overeater that I am. And uh, uh, accepting the fact that I was a compulsive overeater and nothing was ever going to change that, I think that God knew when I really believed down to the bottom of my toes that this is what I was and there was some hope for me. And there is some hope for you, you know. Uh, Please keep coming back. Did you want to say something about this? Okay. This question is, why did you keep coming back? Why did you keep coming back to OA after so relapsing so many times? What is your relationship in OA like after? What was your relationship in OA like after the relapse? I kept coming back because I knew that there was no place else for me to go. Uh, I knew that intuitively uh, that the more I isolated the more I was going to stay in my disease, and that was a, a, a gift. A little mo- moment of clarity was like, oh, my God, if I stay here and do this, you know, and those aha moments don't happen often. And uh, that one time I heard it and paid attention to it and got clothes on and walked out the door and went to the meeting. It, it's a miracle to me. That's, I don't have any explanation for that. You know, um, um, and uh, after so many, what is your relationship in OA? What was your relationship in OA? Like after the relapse, people welcomed me. I'm not sure what that question means. Uh, People were very uh, open. They uh, welcomed me and... uh, um, were very accepting of me. Um, 
I was very humble. I did not feel humiliated. I felt very humble. I felt so grateful to uh, have this clarity of who I was and uh, the miracle of getting back one more time. What I know is that I have another relapse in me. I don't know if I have another recovery in me. Reality is I'm getting too old for that shit. Okay? Time is running out. That's that's a bottom line. I mean, we all have to go. I just don't want to go like that. Okay? But after the meeting is over, the person who asked me this question, if you could come up to me and explain to me exactly what you had in mind, or if you can do it right now if you want to, but after the meeting, because I'm not too sure what you were asking me. And I would like to answer the question. Thank you. And the question is, I have been in relapse for almost the entire time I have been in OA. Oh, with only a few short bursts of abstinence. How would you advise someone to get started seriously? Um, I found it beneficial to um, refresh my sponsor. And um, I've had um, fabulous sponsors, but um, sometimes there's um, some different angles on things, different approaches, different um, things from different people. And I have found that my I've been able to... Um, take my recovery to different levels by changing sponsors um, and I always make a point to have really good closure with the previous sponsor um, so that might be one idea well I think it's hard to answer that question without knowing why the person who asked the question thought they were in constant relapse because it depends on what the relapse is. Um, for example, let's say um, someone has been in the program coming to meetings for a year, and in the course of that year, when compared to how they were before they even came to OA, their eating habits have changed dramatically. You know, and they, they're eating a lot better, and everything is really, when you com do that comparison, it's a lot better. And then there's one meal where they have a slip, and then they focus on that, area and that becomes, you know, conflated and eclipses everything else, then I think that's where some rationality getting in, and by rationality I mean bouncing it off of someone else like a sponsor, and, and talking about your sponsor, maybe looking at what the food plan is. I think it goes back to where I have, I believe in gentle abstinence is not being so harsh on you that if you go one ounce over of food, that you then live with a cloud over your head. See, so I, I, I don't have any context of what the person is talking, is, is, is asking. Whether, or whether they're saying that each and every meal, that they always have a bag of, a bag of candy or a bag of something going on. See, I have no context of, of that. 
And I think my other response to um, that question is something that my sponsor told me that I sometimes get and that it's not about the food until it's about the food. And at the first time I heard that, I thought it was like a Zen koan, you know, just something, you know, not really. But then it's, if one focuses too much on the food, then I think that's a good indication saying, where are you in the steps? Have you taken an inventory? Have you gone back and, and started making amends to people in your life? And so it's not just about the food. So those are my answers. I just wanted to add that I've had to go several times for psychotherapy <laughs> over my years of OA and also for couples counseling because the distress of the marital relationship was so intense. Um, so um, our program encourages us to seek outside help. And um, that's something I have found um, useful. Okay, the owner of the basket out there, if you have anything in there, could you run it up here for me? I'm down to just two questions. And the next question is, do you believe you can sponsor someone who has longer abstinence than you do? I can repeat that, yes. Do you believe you can sponsor someone who has longer abstinence than you do? Um, once you have quite a bit of abstinence, it becomes harder to find sponsors with um, more abstinence. And I have for um, uh, many years. Um, I think the whole time um, I've had sponsors with, well, not the whole time, but from, since I've been like 10, I had sponsors with less abstinence, and it's been just fine. I just try to pick people that are working the 10th, 11th, and 12th step and um, are spiritual and have a normal body weight. So that hasn't been a problem at all. I have certainly uh, gravitated towards women who have what I want and they don't have as much abstinence as I do. They work a hell of a program and I'll take wisdom wherever I can find it. You know, that's, that's, that's for me. That's the deal. And the next question is, did, did you find a way to overcome perfectionism, and that's in quotes, as a trait of relapse? I think that's a great question. I think uh, I personally believe that uh, hyper-technical um, food plans is, a, is a just changing from eating a lot to ha running a program that's so hyper-compulsive that, that one is one is destined for failure. And, and so perfectionism is just letting go and it's finding people who you feel, who you hear when they share 
you feel good about it. I went to a, a step study that was one of those long step studies, and you know people took their time. And there was a woman there who had, you know, I don't know, like 15 years of abstinence, and she was reasonable about things. And it's, um, I think we're, you know, we're all imperfect. We're never going to reach imperfect. It's my belief that the only thing of perfection is is God, and that's and I'm not God, and so everything else is is fine. I think it's. Um, it's important to let go of, of wanting to do everything just so so hyper well. I think another way of answering that question is focusing on perfectionism, whether I'm doing something just right, is continuously referring to me. Even if I'm even if I fail and don't get it right and I'm getting it wrong, I'm still it's still about me. Do you see what I'm saying? If I'm doing things perfect it's about me. If I'm doing things imperfectly, it's still about me. So then one way to let go of perfectionism is to get outside of oneself and go do service. And at least for that instant, um, not be thinking about, you know, me. <laughs> which, is, which I think is part of what our program is about self-centeredness. You know, when I was eating, I ate alone. I didn't share it, you know. Maybe if my dog was around, he would get a little bit. She would get a little bit. But... Essentially, my compulsive overeating was for my bones and my fat. I ate, you know, you know, for me. So a part of part of my program is, you know, letting go of that. Um, I always try to get my food perfect because um, when I get my food perfect, then I'll deal with the rest of my life, and that's um, really disastrous. And. Uh, <laughs> There's not any movement, believe me. Um, I have surveyed people in OA just because in my head I think people are doing it perfect, and there are. There are people whose food is to the grape or green bean. You know, it, and God bless them. I envy them, and I also envy supermodels. And um, <laughs> I have found that for me anything guiding leads to binging, so I have to um, just kind of find a middle path with us still having a bottom line um, and let go of um, getting on the cover of any magazines. Thank you. Cool. This is too cool. All right. Uh, there was, There is a great deal of freedom in realizing that no matter what I do, it is never going to be perfect. So lighten up. I really, I'm serious. You know, I mean, I don't, if anybody else ever treated me the way I treated me, especially around my disease, I would have killed them. You know, I mean, I'm just so harsh, you know, and it's, uh, you know, lighten up, Charla. You know, laugh at yourself, you know. I mean, everything is not the end of the world, you know. And, I, I'm talking to me here because I was really, really hard on myself. You know, like I said, I'm never going to do it perfectly, and it's never, you know, and there's a great deal of freedom in knowing, really knowing that I'm never going to do it perfectly, you know, and uh, so just uh, uh, keep coming back and, and doing all the footwork, the next indicated step, staying contacting reality and la, 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 you know, and keep laughing.
It's a great program. Thank you. And the next question is, what means did you find to reconnect with program after prolonged relapse? And I'm going to add to that even after short relapse. Can I look at the question sure. again? There you go. What means did I find to reconnect? I think uh, prayer helps. Um, to me, relapse is like when I do when I um, cross swords with someone, you know, butt heads with someone, and then I have to make an amends. In that sense, when when I have to make an amends, then I find myself I'm like a sweetheart for a week after that, you know, in, in the sense that doing something that I need to make an amends for will bring me to prayer and seeing where my part of it is and then making an amends to the person and, and watching what I do. So I think in that sense, uh, coming to prayer about the relapse, then I have to re-examine where I'm at and see what is it that's still bothering me that I need to eat. Why do I need to eat to feel good? Why can't I just feel good? So I think, um, you know, prayer helps a lot for me. You know, it's prayer and, and and quiet time, prayer and meditation, and to get things um, get things you know in get my priorities straight, like CJ said earlier. Um, I think it's hard to come back, um, and it it was hard for me to admit to admit it when I had relapsed, but once I did it, I felt great. And in retrospect, I could see that the reason that it was hard to come back was pride, you know, going back to what I said earlier. So I think um, my short answer is to reconnect after a relapse is, is prayer. And just beca- just to know that, that our program is about uh, love and tolerance and, and not just judgment, you know, getting it, you know, right or wrong, but rather it's about being loved and accepted. Questions for Regina? You listen, Regina? Good. <laughs> when you spoke of extremely healthy eating, what do you mean? And how does <laughs> and what and how does it set overeating up for relapse? When I was a teenager, I was very sick, and I um, used alternative medicine to get healed. I used um, fasting and um, raw fruits and vegetables, and it was very effective. I had a um, a dramatic (coughs) um, turnaround um, of the illness, and um, now I want to um, micromanage food. Uh, now I now I am um, so I got well and then like 30 years later I got another health issue <laughs> and so now I want to use the same thing that I used before and I want to micromanage my food. I can't fast because I'm a compulsive overeater and I can't fast <laughs> um, not very well. Um, 
I've kind of lost my ability to fast, um, but um, I still get the idea that I can micromanage my food, and that basically means eating like fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, and um, and whenever I um, eat any eat anything else, um, you know, I can start speaking harshly to myself. And unfortunately, eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds is a diet. You call it a plan of eating or whatever you want for health. But in my insides, it feels like a diet, and I react to it just like any other diet that we could find in Red Book magazine. And I just ping pong, and I I don't break my abstinence, but I don't eat the fruits and vegetables. And... Um, it would almost be better if I, I mean, it works better for me to turn my health issues over to God and not try to micromanage them myself or to put that effort into, like, resting and meditating and going to bed on time and exercising rather than try to make everything about food. Um, but as a compulsive reader, that's always where I'm, my head goes first. And um, I'd be happy to talk to anyone after the meeting if that was not sufficient. Okay, the next question is, what tool seems to be most helpful to help get back on track? Pray your ass off. I I had to, you know. It was like, and it wasn't like, um, uh, God, please, you know. I, I mean, I can pray my my head off of, God, please get me abstinent today. My prayer today is, please, God, what's your will for me? What am I? What's the next indicated step? What am I supposed to do? And. Um, some of the, the tools that I use are reading those three things that I told you about or that, that I read, you know, the page 24, the, uh, the doctor's opinion about the spree, and chapter 3, reminding me of who and what I am, because acceptance really is the answer to all my problems. I really need to accept myself for who and what I am. And... Uh, uh, but staying connected with people and uh, going to meetings and sharing and talking, whether it's on a one-to-one level or a meeting level, uh, helps to keep me in reality. It really does. You know. Thanks. I think the question was was also looking at which tool was the most effective. I guess in retrospect, I think um, using my sponsor. I mean, I I've been blessed with a really good sponsor, and I um, I talk to her. The way we worked out our communications system is that I email my food the night before, and I do that because it fits our schedules. But that it also benefits us because then when we talk, we don't spend time talking about food unless we have to because the email is already there so we can talk about stuff uh, and I think that's 
that's been very useful. And she um, stuck with me. She, when I relapsed, she didn't uh, dump me. There's also that fear, you know, of getting dumped when one relapses. Is your sponsor going to split? And she didn't. Um, I think that helped me a lot. I think it's it's like, it's like any relationship. It's useful to have someone who believes in you, who's in your corner, who's your rooting for you. She is. She doesn't take my sponsor doesn't take credit for my abstinence, and she doesn't take blame. She didn't take blame when I relapsed. It's my it's my program that I work with with my God. And my sponsor is there to offer me her experience, strength, and hope. And that's what she did. And she didn't, she wasn't going anywhere. You know, I was the one who was kind of all, you know, you know, bouncy to, you know, for lack of a better word, I was just kind of not, not knowing what to do. So I think just having, having good fellowship, you know, with her and then going to the meetings and having fellowship with them and not isolating. I think uh, I'm also a natural isolator and it, w- it would have been easy for me to just fall back and not go to the meetings, not call my sponsor, but just do a retreat and say, you know, I messed up, you know, I can't do it. So I think for, for me, the biggest tool was using my sponsor. The next question is, how do you refrain from that first compulsive bite? Good question. Okay. Get up here. Yeah, those thoughts come. They do, you know. I look and it's like, uh, it's no big deal. It'll be all right this time, right? You know, and uh, how... I get past that is I go do something else. Uh, I don't think, I, you know, oh, good, good example, good example. I'm watching TV and I'm watching these commercials about this candy and this ice cream and this, you know, and, you know, I, I looked at it and I have these mantras and I, I looked at it and I said, I can't eat just one of those. I'm not going to eat any because that's the first compulsive bite for me. If I can't eat just one, I have no business eating it at all. And I say things to myself like that. I I say, don't think, just do. And do means go to a meeting, pick up the phone, call my sponsor, call a friend, do something. But I... uh, I, uh, don't think. Just do. Do something else. Do something else. And I, and I have mantras that I say to myself like that all the time. And I swear to God, it has kept me abstinent many times. Well, I think um, I like to play little tricks in my head that'll, you know, dramatic stuff that I, and, or truisms, if you will, and then that helps me. Like, I know, like, let's say I feel hungry, 
and I want to eat, but it's not the right time, or let's say it's one of my one of my trigger foods that I'm never supposed to eat, then I'll just think in my mind, it's not like I'm going to be, you know how they show those, uh, when they had these charities for starving children, and the little kids are, their stomachs are bloated, that their eyes are real big, and you know, it's a terrible, they're like, they haven't had any food, their bodies react with that. I would say, I'm not going to, that's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to starve to death. You know, I, I live with abundance that I'm grateful for, you know, and, and if I don't have that, that next bite, I'll live. I'll, I will live. My stomach won't be bloated in the morning, you know, and I think, you know, it sounds silly to say, but it works to put things in context. I think my disease is also, aside from one of selfishness, it's one of sheer abundance that I can be, you know, I have all the food that I would ever want to eat if I if I so chose, and uh, I just know that it's I'll survive. I have enough uh, fat in my body or minerals or whatever it is in my body that if I don't eat, I will survive. I just know I will survive, and I can just walk away. I've also uh, during holiday times, I think that's when what I've I think been the most tested. Because it's around family uh, who want, out of graciousness, to foist, you know, all these goodies, especially if they've cooked them upon you. So I'll just thank God for cell phones. I, I've excused myself from a holiday dinner on the pretext of going to the restroom and then call my sponsor. And then just that putting some space between the thought and the action with a little phone call. And then my sponsor just, you know, listened to me and just offered some... Um, gracious advice or some advice to act graciously. In other words, if, if someone offers me a big old honking piece of, you know, something that looks extremely good, one can say, she, her response would I've used saying, you know, that looks really good. It looks really tasty, but you know, I'll pass today. Thank you. Something like that, just nice and polite and just pass it by. So. Sometimes that desire for that bite typically comes to me at the end of dinner. And um, sometimes I fail and have it. And um, that's pretty slippery because, you know, we don't know what bite can lead to a binge. But um, I basically just rely on working a pretty good program um, to kind of um, get me remove that chronic desire um, more than having one specific tool or another. Okay, uh, it's 3.20, so it's time for us to close this particular workshop. Um, Oh, and we're going to end this workshop with, I put my hand in yours. Can we make a big circle? <laughs>